Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Well, good morning. You guys take a seat. Welcome to the Vine. I hope all of you had a great Christmas um, with family and friends celebrating yesterday. Uh, As you probably know, this Sunday falls on December 26th, which meant this Sunday was a really sought-after Sunday to preach. And that's why you're getting the youth pastor, okay? Um, But for real, I'm really excited to be here. My name's Andrew Collins. I am the youth ministry team leader here at The Vine, and I am so excited to be with y'all this morning. Um, I I need some of y'all to think way, way back. And maybe some of y'all to think like six months ago. Do you remember the experience of leaving home for the first time? Maybe it was to attend college or to get a job. Kids, some of you think I never want to leave home. One day you will. Leaving is hard, right? Leaving is hard. We leave our homes, foundation, convictions of family, and possibly even the faith that they've taught us. Then to journey out into the unknown, we have been, in a way, sent into a foreign land. And as an exile, we have left the values and traditions and convictions of faith from our home. And, are not, and they are not the prevailing lifestyle of this new world we're now entering into. Leaving is hard. Everything that my flesh dreamed about and thought about tasting while sitting under maybe my parents' roof is now being put on a platter and encouraged. Suddenly, we are in a battle for our souls. And this difficult question comes as we leave. Who are we going to be faithful to? Do you remember an experience like this? Who are you going to be faithful to? Maybe you are in the middle of the season like this right now, and you're having to ask that question of yourself. Who am I going to be faithful to? And the world saying, taste and see that I am better than any religion thing that you've been doing. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that experience as well as they, as teenagers, left their home and traveled into exile. So we're going to be in Daniel 1, if you want to open up your Bibles this morning, to Daniel 1. And as we get into Daniel 1, I want to make sure we understand some context as we start the first chapter of this book. So as we dive in, there's a major piece of context here. For Daniel and his friends, like I just said, they have been exiled, which means they have been taken from their homeland and they have been taken to another land. Daniel and his friends were part of the first group that got taken away from their families into another country. Imagine the questions that Daniel and his friends probably had to be asking in this moment about God. Was he still in control? Is he weaker than the gods of these other nations? Or has he forgotten us or forsaken us? It would seem from the outside that their God, Yahweh, had either failed or forsaken them. And as they trudged miles and miles toward Babylon, this had to be on their minds. Maybe it's on your mind. 
Once they arrived in Babylon, the process of assimilation starts. What does that mean, assimilation? Big word. It means that the complete wiping of all past traditions and becoming completely like a new culture. Isn't this really the goal of every culture and kingdom? To make all those within it reflect the values, traditions, customs, and even language of the place you're going? To do this in Babylon, the king would take the best and brightest, the royalty, nobility, the impressive youth from the top down and would teach them the ways of Babylon. They wanted to wipe from their minds and memory of anything that had to do with Israel. They wanted them to forget it and to accept Babylon for all of its good things that it could offer them. Showing their culture was superior to that of the Israelites in its knowledge, power, pleasures, and comforts. Truth be told, it was, in an earthly sense, better than where they were coming from. This was the greatest empire on the face of the earth. It could offer a lot to these people. It's crazy that that happened back then. And sure, no one in this room, I don't think, has been exiled here or has been forced by some king that's taken over your home country to put you here. But scripture tells us that we too are exiles. We too are exiles. And if you're not seeing this, and right here in America, it's still happening in the same way. You are being deceived. I'm hoping this morning to open our eyes that we realize that this is not our home and this is not our king here that we serve. Which means we live in another land being forced daily here in America to assimilate to the language, the culture, the traditions, the beliefs, the religion of this place. It's happening to you and me every day. Which brings us to the main point of this sermon, and as we look at Daniel 1 and Daniel 3 this morning, I want you to think about this. No matter the outcome, are you going to be faithful to your king while living in the land of another king? This is the context of Daniel and his friends. But as we go on, I want you to be asking yourself, what's my current context? What's my current culture? Kids, this would be things like your school, your home, your friends, where you play, where you do recreation. And does it have any similarities to the story we will read here in a second? If you were to ask a fish what water was, what would they tell you? What's water? That's often how we deal with our own culture around us, I think. If we were to ask each other, what is the culture around us? Sometimes it's hard to describe it because as we live in it and as we swim in it for long enough, we forget that it's not even around us anymore. As we look at Daniel and his friends, we're looking at the story of great courage and faithfulness. These are four boys, as I said earlier, probably taken in their teenage years to Babylon. And we're going to see God use teenagers, if you're in this room, teenagers to the glory of his name because they chose to be faithful. 
The two points I want to highlight are founded in faithfulness to the glory of God. We get two different scenes in the opening three chapters of Daniel in which followers of God are pressed and even commanded to act in opposition to their convictions and their God. One will lead to honor, the other will lead to persecution. But in God's plan, both will lead to promoting his glory. And as his people, that's really what we want in the end, is that God is glorified. So no matter the outcome, we are called to be faithful to our king while living in the land of another king. Like a sponge dipped into water, we're about to squeeze that sponge and we're going to find out what's on the inside of these followers of God. And again, I want you to be thinking about if someone squeezed you like a sponge, what comes out? Is it faithfulness? To who? So the first point, let's look at chapter one, faithfulness leading to honor. So summarizing, we're going to start in chapter one. I'm just going to summarize parts of this because we got some big chunks to take on here. So summarizing verses one through seven, Nebuchadnezzar has taken over Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar has requested all the royalty, nobility, prestigious youth to learn the customs of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon at this time. He also changes their names here. We're going to look at that in just a second. And he offers them the king's table. And that's the part of the story we are at in chapter 1 here. So starting, starting to read in cha- uh, verse 8, we're going to read verse 8 and 9. It says, But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. So after these verses, we see Daniel and his friends, what they choose to do. If you're looking for a diet plan, here's one that Daniel chose. They just chose to eat vegetables and drink water, while everyone else in the palace chose to eat from the king's table. So 10 days go by, and they are better in appearance than all of the king's men. So they drew this line of conviction. They decided food and drink, we're not okay with eating from the king's table. And in faithfulness, they stood up and said, we're going to do this. And the Lord gave them favor in the eyes of the eunuch and the king, Nebuchadnezzar. So it says in verse 19 through 20, And the king spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. Their faithfulness led them to the greatest honor in all the kingdom. Their faithfulness led to God's glory. See, there's, there's a couple questions I want us to think about, though, here is what was accepted by Daniel and his friends? It's kind of weird that they decided to put the line on food and drink, right? What about all the other stuff? You know, they were probably learning in the schools of the Babylonians. They were probably living in the palace with the royalty and the political privileges. So where was this line of conviction coming from? Well, for Daniel and his friends, it was food. Daniel and his friends felt that eating the same food as the others at the king's table was too far. 
This is a weird place to pick a line of conviction, Daniel and his friends. You were okay with learning astrology or living in the palace while your people had nothing. But what I want us to see here is the key issue is that for all of us, there's a point at which we must choose to go by the way of faithfulness or the way of compromise. Daniel and his friends were walking in step with the Spirit. And as he led them, when they felt that line of conviction, they stood tall and did not compromise. Are you walking in step with the Spirit of God that you would know the way of faithfulness and the way of compromise? I have two examples I think about. My first one is uh, I was driving home one day after a really long day. I was really tired. And you're pulling in the driveway and like you have in your mind, like, I just want to go inside and sit on the couch. I don't want anyone to talk to me. I just want to sit there silently. And sure enough, I, I drive home and I pull in the driveway and my neighbor is standing out in his yard doing some yard work. And I'm like, God, don't ask me to do it. I really don't want to. I just want to go inside and sit on the couch. But the Lord fought with me, and I finally submitted. And I walked across the yard in faithfulness and asked him how his day was going. And the Lord honored that faithfulness, and he talked to me for a while. He even gave me some things that I could pray for. That's a good example. Now I'm going to give you a really bad example of compromise. So if you know me at all, you know that sports is a big deal to me. You know, the culture around me has convinced me that a teenager catching a football is more important than what God's doing in the hearts of the people in my neighborhood. And I have compromised to that. And how I have compromised is I spend my time, I spend my money, and I spend my thoughts thinking about those things. I don't spend that kind of time, money, and even thoughts on the hearts of the people in my neighborhood. That's a conviction that I haven't ignored well. So where has the Spirit given you conviction? Where have you ignored it? Have you been convinced to compromise? Remember, no matter the outcome, we are called to be faithful to our king. So the first point we looked at, faithfulness leading to honor. And now we're going to look at chapter 3, faithfulness leading to persecution. And this is why I say no matter the outcome. So chapter 3 of Daniel I'm going to summarize verses 8 through 25. Again, we have a large section here, so I'm going to try to piece this together for us. The arrogant King Nebuchadnezzar built a massive statue of himself, like egomaniac, okay? Huge statue he builds of himself. And when the music starts and all of the instruments start playing, the people are supposed to bow, right? Everyone in the land is supposed to know when the music starts, you bow, And this is what the king wanted. And if you didn't bow, as many of you know this story, you got thrown into the fiery furnace. So the choice was to bow or to be thrown in the furnace. Well, Daniel and his friends stood tall here and did not bow. Remember, these are the names 
they had given now Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but they were formerly known as Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They stood tall and did not bow. The king's overseers noticed that they would not bow, and they went to the king and said, King, king, the Jews, they're not bowing. The king was like, furious. Are you serious? Bow before my statue or I will throw you in the fire. And he questioned them, we see in verse 16. So looking at verse 16 here, he says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king and said this, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Bold. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up, no matter the outcome. That made the king even more mad. He ordered them be thrown into the furnace, and he decided, you know what, we're going to heat this baby up. We're going to turn it up to seven times what it typically is, kids. That means really, really, really hot. So hot that the people that even took them up to the furnace burned trying to get them to the furnace. The flames were so big. In verse 24, we see, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. He rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. He answered and said, but I see four men in the fire, unbound and walking around. And they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. Their faithfulness led to persecution. What are some of the statues for us today that you and I are being asked to bow down to when the music starts? I mentioned sports. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's financial security. Maybe it's physical relationships. Maybe it's politics. How are you being asked to bow, though? Because I'm going to guess that most of you don't have a statue that you're actually getting on your knees and bowing before. But we bow with a lot of things. We bow with our time. We bow with our money. We bow with our mind and our hearts. We bow with our outward persona that we want to put off. And what's the cost today if we don't bow? We may be outcasted. You may make less money. You may have less comforts. You may lose your job. You may be seen as weird. They may gossip about you, destroy your image. You may anger your family. So again, what are the statues of the day for you? And how are you being asked to bow to them? And what's the cost to bow? The cost for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was a fiery furnace and burning to death. 
And honestly, for many of our brothers and sisters around the world, it's death as well. We have a blessing here, but it doesn't mean that there aren't places we need to stand up no matter the outcome. I want you to think about, is what you have in Jesus better than anything this world can take from you? What Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had in God was better than anything Babylon could offer them. Remember the great levels of pleasure, wealth, knowledge, power, significance that Babylon offered? Our world today is still offering those things to you and I. It's hoping, it's begging you to take them for you to believe that they are better than what you have in your King Jesus. Is what you have in Jesus better than anything this world can take from you? This is where faithfulness is birthed. As we answer that question more days as yes, we will begin to grow in faithfulness to Jesus. Remember, this was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's response in verse 16 through 18. We have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And then they said, even if not, be it known to you that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Let's see how God gets the glory out of this faithfulness. Chapter 3, verses 24 through 29. God saves them out of the fiery furnace, and not even a single hair on their body was singed. King Nebuchadnezzar makes a decree due to the faithfulness of these teenage boys. Think about that. Three boys faithfulness changed the reality for a whole people. We see this here. He says, I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses laid in ruin, for there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. God promotes them, and he puts his glory on full display through their faithfulness. You say, we, we say we want to give God the glory, but then we make choices to not be faithful. God gets the glory when we are faithful to our king whether it gives you honor or it gives you persecution, it doesn't matter. As we see in this story, God gets the glory every time. The things we fight about, the things we campaign for, the things we get sad over and even get excited about now will one day seem petty and insignificant unless they hold kingdom importance. Is what you have in Jesus, remember what we talked about, in this Christmas season, peace with God, hope eternal, unconditional and everlasting love, and unending and overflowing joy, better than anything this world can offer you. This is where faithfulness is birthed. Let's start answering this question more as yes in this next year. 
When you are squeezed like a sponge, like we talked about earlier, what's going to come out? Will you spill faithfulness or will you spill cowardice? What's inside your heart? Some of you, or maybe all of you, are thinking, well, I don't stand much chance to spill faithfulness if a fiery furnace is the other option. Well, I have good news for you. The one on which Jesus said, I will build my church, ran and cowardice. I want you to wrestle with this question instead. Am I growing in faithfulness to Jesus? I'm not saying everything you do will be faithful to Jesus. We know we're not perfect, right? But I really want you to wrestle with the question, am I growing in faithfulness to Jesus? Or am I growing in faithfulness to some other statue in this world? This is an impossible task, as we know. I know my heart, and you know yours. We are fickle and weak people. We have a hard enough time trying to stay on a diet plan or a workout plan. We struggle to deal with our money faithfully and not buy things. We are so weak and unfaithful in ourselves. But here's the beauty of Jesus. Don't miss this this morning. The impossible task has been made possible. You see, Jesus is not asking you to be faithful, and then he will help you. It kind of sounds like God helps those who help themselves. That's not the message of Jesus. We celebrate in this season that the message of Jesus is this. I know you're weak, broken, sinful, unfaithful, I have come to change all of those things. Jesus was strong for the weak. His body was broken so that you could be made whole. And he was faithful to God while we were unfaithful. Our king suffered and was glorified. He didn't live for the pleasures and privileges of this life. He didn't compromise when he was squeezed. We all know the moment in the garden where he was really squeezed. He chose faithfulness all the way to the cross. The faithfulness of Daniel and his friends has nothing to do with them being better human beings than you and me. It's not like they have superpowers that you'll never have. Their faithfulness was given to them by God for his glory. As they live in a new culture with new values and morals, their faithfulness to God became more difficult, but God gave them the faith they needed in the time that they needed it. We receive that faith by grace in this life, in the life and death of Jesus, and it is grown by the Spirit of God dwelling in each of his people. There is always only room for one king I want you to hear that. There is always only room for one king. And that is something we need to ask him to help us believe more every day. Because we often want to oversee our own lives. You will be faced with impossible situations in which you will need to be faithful to Jesus in this next year. 
I want you to remember that the impossible has been made possible because Jesus can give you the faithfulness that you need in the situations in which you need it. Will you continually look to Jesus for guidance and for faith? For when those decisions come, remember that we are not living on this earth to gain all the things we can out of this life. That's not the purpose of this life. We are passing through. You and I, if we are believers in this room, are exiles. Like Daniel and his friends, we are heading home one day. Though trials and difficulties will come till the end, the saints up until the end, those who are faithful will be raised to glory and honor and everlasting life in the final kingdom to come. That's the end of the story. The faithful raised to everlasting life in God's kingdom. It's better than anything this world could offer you. I remember as a sixth grader, I was blown away by the faithfulness of this man I was reading about. Many of you probably know him. His name is Jim Elliott. He was a missionary to the Akit Indian tribe in, in the Amazons. And his heart and desire was that they would know Jesus. These people were completely unreached with the gospel. And he and a couple of his buddies decided it's their mission to make sure they know who Jesus is. No matter the outcome. The outcome for them was death. They ended up being killed by the tribe they were trying to share Jesus with. After their death, that whole tribe was saved by Jim's wife and some other people. God got the glory. And this is the quote we often hear, and I want you to hear this morning as we think about Daniel and his friends, Jim Elliott. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. No matter the outcome, how are you being called to faithfulness in 2022? Don't continue to compromise with the culture around you when God has called you to be faithful for his glory. Let's look more at Jesus this year. Let's look more at Jesus this year than at the other statues in our lives and what we have in Jesus. And as we do that, he will make us more faithful. Don't leave this room and pull up your bootstraps and say, I'm going to be more faithful for Jesus. It's going to die just like every New Year's resolution that you've ever made. It doesn't work that way. We need to look at Jesus and ask him to do it for us. I want to end with couple lines from the song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. The chorus says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let's pray. Father, forgive us for our unfaithfulness. Forgive us that there are things in our life that are more important than the things that you have asked of us. 
As we prayed at the beginning, though, I pray, Lord, that you would show us grace, that we wouldn't feel defeated in this moment, that we look over this last year and feel like I have completely screwed up, that you are a God who forgives, and you are a God who makes the unfaithful faithful through Jesus and through the Holy Spirit. So, Father, I pray for your people that in 2022, we would be a people who would make more and more choices to look at Jesus, to see what we have in Jesus as better than anything this world can offer us. Do that in us, Holy Spirit. We thank you so much, Jesus, for what you've done for us. We ask all this in that powerful name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at The Vine CC. Have a great week.